presented by the Common Sense Institute. Welcome to Common Sense Digest, the podcast that seeks to inject a little common sense into Colorado's policy discussion. Here's your host, Earl Wright. Welcome to the Common Sense Digest podcast. My name is Earl Wright, and I am the chairman of the Common Sense Institute board and your host today. Homelessness is one of the most pressing issues in Colorado and in the Denver metro area, in particularly in the Denver metro area. All told, the Denver Metro has spent $2 billion on homelessness issues and services over the last three years. The problem keeps getting worse. There were a record number of people experiencing homelessness in Denver in 2023, with record amounts of chronically homeless and unsheltered homeless as well. Here to talk with me about the challenges and opportunities for the Denver Metro and addressing people experiencing homelessness is Donna Lynn, CEO of Denver Health. Donna is known to us as a Lieutenant Governor of Colorado from 2016 to 2019. She is also, let me give it a little bit more background, former Senior VP and Chief Operating Officer of Columbia University Irving Medical Center, New York City. She was there during the COVID crisis. God love you for being there then. And she has also been Senior Officer at the Kaiser Foundation Health Plan. She also, as you would expect of somebody of her talent, a PhD from Columbia University, and as she finally says, a New Yorker. We love to adopt people from all over the world to come out here to help us a better state, Donna. Now you're serving as the Kaiser Foundation Health Plan leadership role there, the executive leadership role, I might add, and currently you are down at the Denver Health and the CEO of Denver Health. Thanks for coming, Donna, and I so much look forward to our conversation. Thanks, Earl. And by the way, even though I lived in New York for a long time, I feel like I'm a Coloradan. Well, you still got a tad bit of a New Yorker accent. <laughs> <don't you? laughs> it gets worse when I drink. <laughs> drink? Okay. <laughs> Coloradans, and especially Denverites, know what a massive issue homelessness is, Donna. And the most recent figures say there are over 10,000 people experiencing homelessness in the Denver metro area in 2023. What in the world, in your opinion, is driving this problem? Yeah, well, thank you, Earl. And um, I'm not a housing expert, but we do see a lot of patients at Denver Health. And as a resident of uh, downtown Denver, I also see a lot of those homeless individuals on the street. And um, last year, Denver Health, just so you know, in 2023, we saw over 8,000 people who experienced homeless, the overwhelming majority who live in the city, quote, live in the city, meaning on the streets for the most part or in shelters. But we saw some from um, outside Denver as well. Um, There's no question that we need to do more. Um, and maybe let me break this down for the listeners. Um, per the CSI report, as you say, there's been a significant increase in what we call the unhoused population. These are the individuals you see on the street often. And uh, last year, there was a 240% increase in the newly homeless population and a 300% increase in chronic homeless population. And also we saw more homeless youth last year. 15% of the unhoused people in Denver were under the age of 18. 
So this is pretty staggering. And also people are staying homeless for longer periods of time. This isn't just episodic because there's been a fire or there's some other dislocation. People are staying longer. So what's the intersection with healthcare uh, on top of some of that uh, data? Um, there's been a massive increase in substance use, as I think you're aware, um, in Colorado and in the Denver metro area. And substance use itself is responsible for deaths among our homeless population um, in greater numbers than any other cause. And death by overdose is at its highest point in five years. So the intersection between many of the people that we see on the street, um, the people that sometimes are in our emergency rooms and in other facilities, um, it's a pretty substantial intersection. Denver Health is a healthcare, healthcare organization. We're not a housing department, although we've recently begun to provide some transitional housing to help people move out of a medical condition and into something else. And so offering our patients a safe place to stay after they have a medical admission is really, really important. We can't do it alone. And so we're always looking to other organizations, you know, uh, where we can discharge patients, where they can be safe. Um, and as I said, that intersection uh, with housing. So I'll Anna, stop you, it. You've, you've said so much. We, we've got to, <laughs> we've got to unbundle some of what you're sure. saying so that we can all appreciate appreciate some of your comments here. You you mentioned that the growth of under 18 year uh, 18 years of age uh, on homelessness. Uh, you mentioned uh, the massive growth in homelessness in general, but under 18 years of age, what in the world? is happening there? Are they all kicked out of the house or are they uh, all of a sudden they're finding themselves that uh, uh, they're just kind of leaving home and and deciding they want to go for a camping trip on the streets of Colorado? What's going on? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure what the cause of seeing more homeless youth is, but of course, you know, as I said, that intersection between substance use, which we know is growing amongst Young people, I don't know, it, ironically, today, uh, the New England Journal of Medicine published an article. It looked at substance use and overdose deaths amongst young people. And Colorado had the second highest rate of overdose deaths amongst people under the age of 18. So, you know, as I said, this... What's, what's contributing to that? Help us out. Why Colorado? You know, I don't know. I mean, I I, um, I haven't had the chance to read the article yet. I've got it. I'm going to send it to you after this after this uh, program. You know, fentanyl certainly uh, the explosion of fentanyl, um, which is I understand is much more uh, dominant in the Midwest and the Rocky Mountain area than other um, substances. Is certainly one of them. I think, as you know, a lot of our young people, they're not maybe intentionally taking fentanyl, but they're, you know, it's mixed with other things. And of course, fentanyl in very small doses can be fatal. So I think we, you know, as I said, we have to look at the underlying, um, is the substance use driving the, some of the homelessness that we're seeing? I, I, I walk up and down Broadway here in Denver most of the people that I see that are camping on the street don't appear to be 
you know, fully capable of operating as regular citizens because they're camping in the middle of the cold. They're sometimes urinating on the street. Uh, and clearly what they're doing isn't contributing to the commercial or the residential vitality of the city. You, you said something else that, that uh, well, I don't know if I heard it correctly, but did I hear correctly that the highest rate of deaths in Colorado are due to drugs at the present time or overdose? No, Sorry. no, no. If you look across the country at deaths due to overdoses amongst okay. adolescents, Colorado has the second highest rate of deaths due to o drug overdoses. Is that on a per capita basis or absolute? Uh, I'm sure it's on a per capita basis because, you know, theoretically, you know, in, in, okay. Okay. You know we, okay. we only have six million people here, but I'm sure it's on a per capita but basis. This, go, this goes back again to this, uh, the underage and, you know, I, why Colorado, but as you've so nicely said, you're not real certain why, but just the facts are the facts. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here, and you're, I can't think of a better person I'd rather have this conversation with than you. Do you have any ideas as to why we're continuing to, the issue is continuing to grow to be as an issue and why things aren't improving? What? Well, because I think it's not about finding people housing. It's getting at the underlying cause of why they're unhoused in the first place. And if the underlying cause, because as I said, there's a big intersection between people who have substance use problems and being unhoused, then we need to get them, here's my view, they need to get into treatment. As you know, there's a controversy around whether it's the housing first movement or the movement that believes that you need to take care of or get the individual to accept treatment before you give them some kind of temporary or even permanent housing. So I'm a believer that we can't just give people housing and that solves the problem. You can give them housing, but you need immediate wraparound services to get at those underlying problems. Okay, now wait, I'm not going to let you off the hook there. We need <laughs> the wraparound. Well, okay, we need the wraparound services. As you know, I'm, I'm rather interested in this topic, if not passionate. Education is only more important in my mind at the present time. Do we have the facilities for wraparound services? My God, Denver Health is such a phenomenal organization. Should we be counting on Denver Health to solve the problem, or is there a wraparound approach that we ought to be talking about? Yeah, um, while we're, we love to play our part in helping the problem, we can't be the only provider because the problem is so big right now. Okay. Um, and I don't even think Denver, as we're watching now, you know, we have a we have an unhoused problem that's being com uh, compounded by the migrant situation. So if we only had the unhoused problem, we might be able to marshal some of the resources, although this is a huge demand on both the city, I would argue the state and nonprofit organizations. Um, for many of the unhoused people, while we try to get them on Medicaid, um, some of them don't want to give us the information. We, try, we need reimbursement to be able to provide the services that we provide. But it's. And you're talking about Denver Health. I'm talking about Denver Health, but I'm talking about any provider. Excuse me. Many of the wraparound services are not just healthcare. It can be clearly housing. That's fundamental. Transportation. 
getting people jobs, getting them other social supports that they need. You know, some of some of these individuals need guardians because they can't make those decisions. They need social workers. So my view is we need a we need a comprehensive strategy. And there's lots of organizations in Denver that do this work all the time. Step Denver, for example, is one. Urban Peak is one that specializes in taking care of homeless youth. I think we need a much more coordinated strategy. And we need to not put the financial burden on the organizations that are doing this sometimes for free. All right. We we need a a strategy, a comprehensive strategy, and it sounds to me no more, no, no, no different than a big business strategy issue where we've got a big challenge, be it a pandemic affect the economy or be it a recession, and we sit down and say, okay, what are all the parts we need to solve this? We mentioned the parts. We need a strategy. Who, in fact, should I look to or should we as a population look to to set up a strategy that attacks the homelessness, the drug issue, and helping these people become productive members of society. I think the mayor, you know, has to own this problem. He certainly is doing a job. He did a job, you know, on December 31st and celebrated a thousand people being unhoused. That's, as you know, according to your report, that's the tip of the iceberg. We have thousands more. Um, I don't know how those thousand unhoused, how long they stay in housing that they've gotten. You know, are they getting the wraparound services? So I do think we almost need like a, a war cabinet to think about how we tackle this problem. And I think what's happening now, it's being tackled in bits and pieces. You know, that first thousand, you know, again, according to your report, we have 10,000 people experiencing homelessness. So what about the other 9,000? And then what about the migrants? So that's a whole nother conversation that I don't know if we want to get into. But as you know, um, most of the people that we're seeing who are unhoused up until this last migrant wave, you know, lived in the United States, maybe, you know, had previously worked. They have legal status. The new migrants that are coming in can't even work because they're not legal. So that's another wraparound service that we need to think about. How do we, where they can qualify for legal status and get work permits, actually be productive members of Denver and the metro area? You said something that that uh, <laughs> uh, when we've had a crisis uh, in the past, be it World War One, World War Two uh, situations, we've had, you know, special functional committees or cabinets or whatever set up. And you mentioned just now maybe a a homeless war cabinet or something like that. Do you think that's something that uh, you mentioned it? Are you having that conversation with others? And is Denver Health saying, hey, this is something we think could really help us uh, in Colorado uh, address this issue of homelessness? Uh, help me out. Is that conversation being held at the present time? So again, we have two separate issues. I'm, I'm sorry to drift to the migrants, but that's like that is something we didn't anticipate, and certainly the mayor didn't anticipate when he was running. Not because he wasn't paying attention, it just has really exploded in the last several months. So we meet twice a week with the mayor, there's a group of us, to talk about how we respond to the migrants. And the reason why I want to keep going to that is it's a public health issue from my perspective. You know, the migrants are coming in, in some cases, they haven't been vaccinated. 
that can spread to other individuals. They're being enrolled in the schools. They're being moved from school to school because they are homeless or unhoused. And as their shelter changes, then all of a sudden you're yanking kids out of school and putting them into another place. We are doing that kind of a war cabinet on the migrant issue. Um, we're not doing it quite the same way um, as we are on the unhoused. Although, as I said, the mayor celebrated the thousand people that were able to get shelter as of December 31st. Well, let's go back if we could. And I, we're going to handle the migrant situation on another call and podcast. But I, I, I'd like to dig a little bit deeper in the homelessness issue if I could. And sure. we, you'd mentioned that we spent two billion on services for people to experience homelessness. Denver Health is a is a part of that. Can you give us a little bit of a, a, a broader sense of what else is involved in the homelessness? I know you've got to find shelter, and I know you've got the Denver Health involved. Where else are we finding uh, this expense uh, of $2 billion? That's a lot of money. Uh, as a percent of our GDP, it's a significant part. And I think that $2 billion that you mentioned um, it re- represents the entire Denver, me- Denver metro Absolutely region. correct. So I'm going to isolate it to Denver Health. We believe that the cost for the unhoused population is about a little over $200 million that impacts Denver Health. That's a lot Denver of money. Denver Health is one-tenth of that? that? That's correct. Oh. Now, um, and I'll explain why. So... We, about 20% of the patients that come into the Denver Health inpatient setting, now we're, we're a big complicated organization. We're in the schools, we have outpatient clinics, but in our hospital, which most people think about Denver Health, but we're much more, about 20% of our patients are homeless. One of the things that we try to do, although the, the biggest cost is certainly providing them health care, but we also give away clothing. Um, we keep many of the people that are homeless longer than their medical condition warrants and longer than what we actually get paid for. Because we you know if we discharge them, they're going to be back on the street. They don't have good sanitation. It's cold. I love to use a frostbite example, but think about it. So the homeless person comes in, we treat him for frostbite. Okay, look at this weekend. It's going to be really cold. Do we send them back out? And that's part of the motivation for us acquiring 29 units of housing so we can transition patients. Because here's what happens with that homeless person. If we're not doing that work, they're going to come right back to Denver Health a few days later into our emergency room and probably have complications. No offense, Donna, but 29 units of housing and 20% of your patients, that doesn't match up. Certainly doesn't. <laughs> it certainly doesn't. But here's the here's the thing. We're not a housing agency. Our I name, understand. Our name is Denver Health and Hospital Authority. But the it, it, in some respects, having these 29 units, yeah, because we have a 500-bed hospital. You can do the math. So if 20% of patients are there that are homeless, that's 100 people. And when we do do the housing, we let them stay for up to three months as their as their condition might warrant. And then we hope that they're going to, we work with them and we work with the Housing Authority and with the Colorado Coalition for the Homeless to try to get them into something more permanent. But that's not our job either. 
but we don't want them coming back and being sicker. So that's why I go back to maybe the war cabinet. Like nobody's appreciating Denver Health for this 29 housing units, and no one is giving us a penny to put people into these units. Hey, I'm a finance guy, Donna. So I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm saying, wait a minute, where do you get your revenues to support at 20% of the homeless? And as I understand it, you're the first place that a lot of people that are the bottom two quintiles go for care. And they don't necessarily have insurance when they come to you. So what are, what's your revenue source at Denver Health? So we try to get them, as I said, on Medicaid. Um, it's not First of all, you know, we get money from people that are working. You know, they have commercial insurance. Sure. Elderly, elderly people, I'll just say this, like maybe you and me, you know, that get Medicare. <laughs> we get some of them and then we get Medicaid. About half of our patients are on Medicaid at Denver Health. So oh, that wow. is qualifying you based on your income. So at the federal poverty level and a little bit above. So we try to get them qualified for Medicaid. And we're pretty successful in doing um, But some don't want to give us any paperwork. We don't turn them away. So they're truly uninsured where we absorb the costs. It's part of the problem we have at Denver Health. You know, we're not making enough money to go build a fancy new building somewhere. We're not making enough money to be able to pay our employees at 50% of the median wage that healthcare workers get. It's part of our dilemma. But we are a safety net hospital that provides care for everybody, regardless of their ability to pay. City gives us thirty million a year. Since you're a finance guy, thirty million a year, and our budget's one point four billion. That's not so much. No, it's not. It's not at all. And when you tell me what you have to pay your staff, and I've had the experience of, of uh, being at Denver Health uh, because of one situation, they're a superb group of people down there. And the fact that you can pay what you're paying and you get the quality of health care at Denver Health, I think that's remarkable. Thank um, you. Let, let, let's kind of pass uh, the, the topic to other Colorado hospitals. Do they have similar challenges uh, that you all do? You've got 20% homelessness. Or what, do you have any idea what kind of support they're providing? I don't, but I'm willing to go out on a limb, Earl. Um, first of all, there aren't a lot of hospitals in Denver. There are only a handful now because several of them have moved to the suburbs, so to speak. Um, and we know the majority of the unhoused and homeless population are here in Denver. That's one. We also have the largest share of Medicaid in the state. So over 50% of our patients are on Medicaid. Um, the patients often come in with much more complex problems because they've delayed care. You know, they, they're, they're not getting up in the morning and going to see their primary care doctor necessarily. And Medicaid doesn't pay us. I always say, if you need a dollar, we don't get a dollar from Medicaid. We get 85 cents. That's the way the government operates, right? They're a big purchaser and they can use their power to push our rates down. So the way the other hospitals survive is they have a lot of commercial patients. And uh, they balance things that way. I don't think they're as welcoming to the unhoused population as Denver Health is for a whole variety of reasons. But as you said, the people that work here have a commitment and a passion to helping every patient. 
regardless of their ability to pay, regardless of if they're difficult or not. Okay. I am going to put you on the spot again. <laughs> and I want you to pretend that you're the omniscient dictator for the state of Colorado and the health care issue for the homeless. What would you do as the omniscient and benevolent dictator for the health care issue for the homeless? So um, I'll give you the easy answer, and then I'm going to give you a more complicated one. I would give us more money. <laughs> From so, where? From where? Uh, I think the state should find the money, and it's got to reallocate some resources, because you know why? The homeless problem, to me, is an economic development issue for the state of Colorado and the city of Denver. Businesses are not going to want to be on the 16th Street Mall or in other places. They're going to continue to move outside of Denver, maybe put people remote. We had a COVID problem that was solved in a way that I think impacts the the vitality of downtown Denver. I'm an urbanite, as you said. I'm a New Yorker. I believe urban areas are essential to the success of the state of Colorado. So to me... Okay, now wait a minute. I'm not going to let you off the hook here. Oh. I have no problem at all as a, as a business person, a guy in finance, of investing in something that's got a good return. But I want to know the totality of the system that's going to approach it and what my expected return can be. Because you just told me that, hey, we've got an economic cost here and we we need more money and we're going to have an economic benefit if we have the money. So tell me, sure. are you <laughs> suggesting that uh, that there's some economic trade-offs here that you can uh, give back to the state and say, give me, give me a dollar and I can return to because this is how we're going to approach the problem? I'm going to give you a micro example, and then I'll talk about the macro picture, and I'll do it quickly. So I'll give you an example. Denver Health has the largest number of inpatient mental health and substance use beds in the entire state. We have 78 of them. Guess what? We leave a good number of them vacant because the cost of providing care is greater than the revenue that we get. So if I had more revenue to open up more beds, we'd be able to put more people into those beds and hopefully cure cure or treat the patients who are coming in with mental health and substance use issues. That's a micro example. The macro picture is I'd, perf- I'd be willing, I'm going to raise my hand and say, you can't just give us money without a return on investment. I'm a, I, I consider myself a business person too. Uh and I know that you, if, if you were an investor as an individual or as the governor or the mayor, you want to return on investment, which hopefully is we're not spending more money. Remember, I said one of the problems we have if we're not providing people housing is they go back out on the streets and they're doing drugs again and they're influenced by other people or they're in unsanitary places. So if we can figure out, does the housing and the wraparound services actually result in somebody getting off the drugs and being a productive citizen and being employed by the state? And I'm willing to be part of that accountability equation that just doesn't throw money at taking care of Donna and then Donna's back out on the street three weeks later. So I think if you find providers like Denver Health who are willing to say, 
I'm not just a revolving door for these individuals with these issues. I'm actually going to help bring them back to be productive citizens in the, whether it's the metro, in downtown Denver, the metro area, or the state. You know, I, I was uh, fortunate enough to uh, attend the Daniels Fund uh, Excellence Awards program this week. Uh, I saw Step Denver, I think, was one of the winners. They were the winner. Step Denver, which to me, uh, they, although they've got limitations of resources, but it seems to me you're talking the same language. Uh, exactly. And, and that we as a community need to find ways to encourage what you're saying and what can be done and programs you're suggesting, as well as uh, places like Step Denver uh, that, that have got uh, an accountability. Donna, uh, we have run out of time, but I want, I must say to you that I, this was everything I'd hoped for and more in a podcast. And, and I also want to say thank you so much for what you have done in your career for every place you've gone. You've, uh, every plan is, it's been an incredibly remarkable, rewarding experience for all of us that have benefited from your public service as well as your work in the philanthropic arena. Donna, thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. And thank you, Earl. Nice to meet you. Hopefully our paths will cross again. Oh, I look forward to that. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Common Sense Digest. For more on today's topic, as well as our research on the most pressing public policy issues facing Colorado, please visit commonsenseinstituteco.org. The preceding episode, along with all others, is available on podcatchers everywhere or on our website under the podcast tab. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom and Deft Communications. This has been a production of the Common Sense Institute.